athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. No surprise that Jared Goff of California went number one in the NFL draft to the new, if you will, Los Angeles Rams, followed by Carson Wentz to the Philadelphia Eagles. Of course, both teams moved up in the draft to select respective quarterbacks. We'll talk about the NFL draft. We'll talk some NBA. We'll also talk about Tom Brady and the four-game suspension being upheld by the second U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals. And we'll talk some other things here on the program. Welcome to another edition of From the Press Box to Press Row. I am your host, Donald Ware. Looked like the Celtics were making a bit of a surge there as Atlanta had gone up two games to none. The Celtics came back and tied the series at two games apiece, but Atlanta ultimately closed it out, winning the next two games, including Thursday's 104-92 victory over the Celtics in Boston. And, it, you know, it, it, it goes to show that even if you have a dynamic player, which I think the Celtics have a dynamic player, I don't I, you know, I think Isaiah Thomas is a is a rising star in this league. I, you know, you know, not a superstar, but certainly a rising star and improving player. I think the Celtics overachieved this year, and it looked like for a moment, especially in Game Five. I mean, they, you know, they looked to have an opportunity, but just could not overcome Atlanta, and ultimately. The Atlanta Hawks, the more experienced team, obviously the best record in the East last year. They still pretty much have that team intact. You know, you got a guy like an Al Horford who has been through some battles as a veteran player, still a, a very much a significant contributor to this Hawks team. You know, just a little bit too much to overcome for the Celtics. And so ultimately... Boston loses that game in or loses that series in six. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk more NBA. We got a lot to get to as far as the NFL draft is concerned. And speaking of the draft, let me set the table for you today here on From the Press Box to Press Row. As a matter of fact, we're going to talk with a couple of draft hopefuls. South Carolina State defensive tackle Javon Hargrave, the two-time Willie Davis Bochtero National Defensive Player of the Year, caught up with him earlier in the week. Ryan Smith, cornerback for North Carolina Central, caught up with him earlier in the week also. And then also from South Carolina State, tight end Tamaric Hemingway, 
also caught up with him earlier in the week. And so you're going to hear all three of those interviews today here on From the Press Box to Press Row, the NFL Draft. And, you know, we've been doing this for quite some time. I can think back to 2006, the first year that we talked with the top HBCU kids that had an opportunity to be drafted that year. Antoine Bethay, who was still in the league, Tavares Jackson. I think Tavares Jackson is currently a free agent, still in the league. Uh, Jason Hatcher, who is now um, retired, um, originally selected in 06 by the Cowboys and uh, more recently playing with the Redskins. So we've done this for quite some time, talking to the top HBCU players on From the Press Box to Press Row. Your participation on From the Press Box to Press Row is always warranted. Hit me up via Twitter at Box to Row, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. And let's start with the NFL draft. And no surprise. You know, I, I, you know, I read a lot of accounts, and you know, I couldn't really distinguish the differences between Jared Goff and Carson Wentz. I mean, when when I read a couple of uh, comparisons and, you know, they were, you know, by all accounts, Carson Wentz was the guy that had the stronger arm, um, uh, could make all of the throws. But, you know, Jared Goff in his production at, at, at Cal was undeniable. Um, you know, you're always if you're Wentz or you're you play at an FCS level, you're always going to have that small college stigma, which, um, you know, we, we're seeing that obviously in, and having followed smaller colleges on this program over the now ten and a half years we've been on the air. It's going to always be that kind of stigma. But listen, the Rams got who they wanted. They moved up in the draft. Um, I think once they moved up, they pretty much knew. I mean, it. You know, a lot of it was a lot of speculation whether it will be golf or Wentz. I think more in the last couple of weeks or so, um, the thought was that uh, golf would be the guy, and so it, it, certainly he was. He and, and certainly a big splash when you think about it for the Los Angeles Rams. Um, they needed a quarterback. I, I mean, w- when you look at their team. Um, offensively, they are very solid. Obviously, Todd Gurley had a tremendous year. Any thoughts of his injury from his days at Georgia having a, an effect on him were dispelled on last year, stepping up to the NFL level and having um, the most productive year, um, one of the most productive rookie seasons ever, and then arguably the best running back in the National Football League on last year. So all of that dispelled. You got a guy like Tavon Austin at wide receiver. They have good wide receivers. So they were just missing a quarterback. Defense is solid. So now they're going to go out and be able to continue to rise, I think, in the NFC's in the NFC West. You know, I mean, you look at the Seahawks, they're still going to sort of be the standard. Um, but, you know, the Rams are up and coming. They're making some improvements. And I think this is a – certainly a good move for the Rams to be able to go in and, you know, listen, you know, again, I, you know, I, I, I thought that in this draft and I'm no draft expert, but I thought that the Cowboys getting Ezekiel Elliott was a fantastic move and maybe the could arguably be the best pick in the first round of the NFL draft because the Cowboys now fill a need in a complete running back 
And, uh, you know, the thing for the Rams is they didn't need a running back, obviously. They needed to get a quarterback, and that's why they moved up and uh, certainly got the man that they wanted. Um, You know, listen, I I think this move puts the Cowboys back in contention. You know, coming into last season, I thought the Cowboys – I, I thought that they had Super Bowl – I mean, certainly they had Super Bowl aspirations, but I thought they, they had a legitimate shot at making the Super Bowl. Come to find out, really, they needed – I mean, besides, um, besides, of course, all of the injuries that they, in fact, had. I mean, they needed also a running back, and now I think they have that franchise running back, as a matter of fact. And so with that being said and being able to get the franchise uh, running back in Ezekiel Elliott who can do absolutely everything, hopefully Tony Romo will be, in fact, healthy this year. You know, if if that's the case, then, boy, the Cowboys are going to be looking awful, awfully good this year. And uh, so uh, a great pickup, I think, by the Dallas Cowboys to be able to get Ezekiel Elliott. Let's table the NFL draft discussion and move to some NBA. And, you know, we got a good series, uh, a series we we really wanted to see. Saturday primetime, 8.30 p.m. Eastern, OKC and San Antonio. This is a series I know that um, folks have wanted to see. And, I mean, I, I give OKC a really good chance. I know San Antonio's had a magnificent season. I just think that right now OKC, the the, the loss um, w- that they had in their previous series was sort of a wake-up call. The loss to Dallas was a bit of a wake-up call. And, I mean, the dynamic duo of Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook cannot be denied. I mean, I think these guys can, can carry this team. You know, you want guys to come and, you know, hopefully Ibaka comes to play and Steven Adams has uh, has played his role, you know, so has Deion Waiters and others. So, I mean, you have a, a Durant and Westbrook. And by the way, Westbrook has become one of, just one of the preeminent players in this league because, you know, you go back some couple of years ago, maybe two or three years ago was, you know, the talk was can Durant and Westbrook coexist? Can they play together? Who would take the last shot? I think with even with that loss – against Dallas you saw Westbrook give it up to Durant when I thought on that play and it, it was when they were trying to can't remember maybe pulled maybe tie the game I think at, at that time um, where Westbrook gave it up to Durant on the wing when Westbrook could have easily taken that so you've seen a a Russell Westbrook who you could make a strong argument as MVP this year really toned his game back a little bit. And the dynamic duo of these two, I think, can be enough to overcome San Antonio. As a matter of fact, I'm going to pick OKC in seven with a mild upset over San Antonio. We'll be right back.
With Mother's Day approaching fast, it's time to give that special lady in your life not just a card, but a card she will cherish for the rest of her life. Kofi cards are the way to tell that special lady you care. These beautiful one-of-a-kind cards are designed by Brother Tyus Kofi, who has received international acclaim and has been featured on over 300 very popular greeting cards. And not just for Mother's Day, Kofi cards can be purchased for any occasion, including birthdays, baby showers, and well wishes. Buy them in bulk today. Purchase Kofi cards online at www.kofi-cards.com. That's www.kofi-cards.com. K-O-F-I-K-A-R-D-S.com. Produced by the community for the community. Kofi cards, empowering our community one card at a time. Kofi cards are a product of Global Emerging Market Exchange. Jim X, a redistribution company. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. Thank you to those listening to us on all of our outstanding affiliates around the country that carry from the press box to press row. Perhaps you're in Orangeburg, South Carolina. Perhaps you're in the Raleigh-Durham area. Perhaps you're in New Orleans listening to us, wherever you may be. And thank you to those listening to us on Sirius XM, Channel 142. And to those listening to us around the world at box to row. You know, it's great talking about the draft, and we do that somewhat here on From the Press Box to Press Row. I am no draft expert, but I'll tell you what's better. It's it's better to talk with some of those that have the potential to, in fact, be drafted. And earlier this week, I was able to talk with three gentlemen who have a very good opportunity to be drafted in terms of HBCU players being drafted, it's been, uh, it's been, it, it hasn't been good for HBCU players. We did have, or H, we did have four players that were drafted on last year, but the uh, numbers have dwindled uh, as the years have gone on. But uh, first up, you're going to hear from Tameric Hemingway, tight end for South Carolina State, who really began to make a lot of noise, especially at the NFL Combine, where he performed well. And I had a chance to catch up with Tameric Hemingway, South Carolina State tight end on the, Wednesday. The scouts really like you, 6'4", 244. They love the, your fluidity. Um, you know, you, 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 you're, everything I'm reading, you're a nightmare matchup uh, for tight ends. But, but how are you enjoying this whole process as we come to the NFL draft? Um, to be honest, I'm just taking one day at a time. Um, this process is a strenuous process, but – it's also a process you can enjoy because you're going off on visits and things, seeing different places that you never really seen before. So, I mean, I'm just taking one day at a time, taking it all in because it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity they have to take advantage of. I mean, what what have you learned, I mean, w- with this process? Because, it's you know, it's a lot different um, from, you know, being at South Carolina State. What, what have you learned about yourself during this process the last uh, four or five months or so? Um, I learned that I'm a – focused person. I'm a focused individual. Whenever I have my eyes set on a prize, I have to obtain it by 
the end of the day, pretty much. Um, I realized that I'm strong mentally. That's because then, as I kind of say, you have to be mentally prepared for game day situations and things like that. So um, a lot of things that I've already been accustomed to, you know, just by being at South Carolina State University, they prepare you so well. Um, so it, it wasn't that really, you know, much of a strenuous process for me as it would be for others. Tameric Hemingway, now formerly of South Carolina State, is rated as one of the top ten tight ends. Of course, joining us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. And uh, Tameric, talk to me a little bit about the uh, NFL Combine and what that was like, and you put up some really good numbers there. It was a wonderful experience. Um, if I could, I'd do it all over again. Um, it just—it's like a, a benchmark, or that's all it pretty much is. Is just see where you're at and how you can compete with others that's just as good as you are. Um, I met a lot of really good guys there. Um, we all had this camaraderie. There's a lot of people think, okay, since we're competing against each other, we don't have to like each other. But when we were there, we all hung around each other. I mean, we was with each other for like three or four days, so we had, you know, this kind of bond thing, but as well, we was competing as well to make each other better than the time that we was there. So it, it was a really good experience. I mean, you get to talk to um, different position coaches there. Um, so it, it was a really good experience for me. What about your maturation through, I guess, really five uh, seasons when you think about it at um, South Carolina State? And, again, this year, I mean, you put up some really good numbers, 38 receptions on uh on the season you just talk about how you matured over the years and just really how you got better uh not only as a player mm-hmm. but off the field as well i mean you graduated last you played again you played as a graduate student this past season yes sir um well i have to give the coaches the credit with that because when i came into South Carolina state you know i was kind of childish and i didn't understand what hard work really was at the time but um just by working with the coaches talking to them um they were like father figures to me. They gave me advice when I needed things. Um, they made sure my family were okay and all of that. So, And they put me in a position where I had to be a leader. I didn't have to be a vocal leader, but I had to lead by example. So I think that helped me you know, mature a lot earlier than a lot of college athletes have to because they put a responsibility upon me to pretty much you know, um, contribute to the team. So I think that really helped me mature through the years there at South Carolina State. Yeah, no, you definitely were able to get that done. So talk about um, some of the teams that you visited uh, to this point. Um, like I said, I just came back um, from L.A. with the Rams. Um, I had uh, meetings with Chicago, um, Tampa Bay, um, Dallas, um, San Diego Chargers, um, who else? New York Giants. I, I just had a lot of visits with several different teams so it is good seeing that all of them have interest in me and see that that I actually have value that I can bring value to their teams as well how impressed were you with the teams that you visited oh I was really impressed like I mean you hardly ever get to see you know the facilities and how well things are you know, in the NFL like that, because not too many people get the chance to actually go and visit facilities for NFL teams, and it's something different. You know, um, I came from South Carolina State, not saying that South Carolina State is a bad school, but we're not as, you know, privileged as most schools are at a higher level. So I got to see a lot of things that I wouldn't normally see on campus at South Carolina State University. So it was a really good experience for me to actually get out and go to other places and see how things work at the next level. 
five years ago when you entered South Carolina State, um, you obviously graduated in uh, in four years, um, and then ultimately played um, you know played four years also. Did you foresee yourself five years ago being in the position that you're in now? Uh, to be honest, no, I did. Yeah, because too, we used to talk all the time, and he always seen something to me that I didn't even see in myself. Because um, coming in, like I said, I was 170 pounds. I was considered a receiver, but they seen something in me that made them think I could be a tight end if I put the work in. And that's what they always told me I had to put the work in if I really wanted. So five years ago, I really didn't see this coming at all. Tamara Hemingway of South Carolina State. One of the sleepers, I think, all of HBCU slept on was North Carolina Central cornerback Ryan Smith to the fact to the point that this guy was second team All MEAC. Uh, he was only a box to row honorable mention All American as a uh, return specialist. And as a matter of fact, he went to the NFL Combine and is now uh, projected to go to be a steal. In this draft, and I had a chance to, in fact, catch up with him on Thursday. Interestingly enough, he was doing something on Wednesday that you wouldn't expect a guy that's about to enter the National Football League to be out doing yard work. Like that just shows how grounded you are, man. I mean, kind of kind of talk about that here. You on the cusp of being drafted into the National Football League and you're at home doing yard work. Yeah, my uh, I've been. I mean, my I'm not spoiled or anything like that. My mother, she raised my, me, my brother, and my little sister really well, and um, we just we just listened. I mean, she we just listened to her. She she wanted to she want at first she wanted to get somebody to um go out there and do a us. and I'm like, mom, what? No, nah, we gonna save money that we don't have, and we gonna do it ourselves. So we went out there, we did the yard work, but I mean, I've been doing. Y'all work is like chores, or you no? Know, y'all work is like something you're supposed to do for your family. You're not you don't want your house looking nasty and stuff like that. So you go out there and you do it yourself. So, yeah, I'm real, I'm real grounded. Yeah, love the attitude. That the voice of Ryan Smith, now formerly of North Carolina Central, cornerback. Uh, hopes to hear, expects I should say, to hear his name called in this year's NFL draft. He joins us here on from the press box to press row. The NFL Combine, Ryan, um, you did very well there. Um, ran a a, a four four five forty and did some other things with some of the other drills. Did it did it well? Of course. What was the experience like for you at the NFL Combine? It was it was a lot. It was a, it was a lot going on. Um, a lot of people, all they see is you know the actual combine and the drills and everything. You know, but it's a lot you do behind the scenes that people don't see. But um, it was a great experience, and you know, I took everything in. You know, I, I embraced the situation. Um, and it was it was good, you know. I got I got a chance to interact with a lot of teams and coaches and scouts, and that was good as well. Um, I just feel like you know, situations like that, things like that. I feel like I'm in my element, you know. Even though it was my first time, and it's rare that people from small schools like mine get invited to these uh, these competitions, if you if you want to put it like that. Um, so I took I took advantage of my opportunity, and I just went out there and I did my thing. I was calm, cool, collective for all the coaches, acting myself. You know, I feel like I feel like I did pretty well. I didn't really um, um meet a lot of my goals at the combine, but I still did well enough to get a lot of teams' attention. So that's a blessing in itself. Yeah, no, it, it is no question about it. 
You know, everybody missed on you, man. I mean, coming out of high school, um, the only offer you had was a partial scholarship to North Carolina Central. Um, this year, you were second team All-MEAC. We missed on you. You were only an honorable mention, box to row All-American. Does the, does Do you take that underdog mentality? Does that type of thing fuel you? And most definitely, I always say I'm motivated by doubt. I've been doubted all. I mean, I've been doubted all my life. You know, I had to prove myself all my life, and it's crazy because all my life, every team that I played for, whether it's Pee Wee, Pop Warner, Boys and Girls Club, high school, college, I was always, you know, that guy on the team or one of the guys on the team, and I had to do that by proving myself because I never walked onto a team and everybody knew who I was. I had to prove my skills, prove my character. And that's when, you know, people start respecting me. And I feel like it's going to be the same thing in the NFL. Um, I'm coming from a small school. It's like I'm a freshman getting to the NFL. I got to be a sponge. You know, I got to take all in from the veterans, you know, learn from them. And then eventually I'm going to be that guy or one of the guys on the, on the football team. Like, it's nothing new to me. But, yeah, all my life I had to prove myself. People say, people have their own opinions. People say what they want to say about me. But that moment you down me and doubt me, when I say that drives me, you just fool, you just fueling me. That's all you're doing, and I love it honestly. I mean, everybody's not gonna like, it. and I learned that. So um, yeah, when people when people doubt me and miss on me, that just fuels me to show that you messed up, and I'm great. Ryan Smith definitely with a chip on his shoulder, and rightfully so. You can listen to the entire interviews with Ryan Smith and Tamaric Hemingway on our website at BoxToRow.com. Still to come, an interview with Javon Hargrave up next, a spring football check-in with the interim head football coach at Morgan State, Fred Ferrier. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. That the voice of Ronda Rousey. It was something that I specifically asked for, not just because I wanted to fight for the Brazilian people, also that I really can't stand this chick, and I would rather beat her in her home country on her own turf so that she knew that she lost with every single possible advantage she could have. That's the voice of Michael Strahan talking with us about his college playing days at Texas Southern. You know, a lot of guys were probably out there partying and in some cases chasing behind the girls. I was working out because I didn't see Texas Southern as being like my stop. That was part of my journey into where I wanted to go. Kevin Hart joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Room. Now, are you going to return to New Orleans for the NBA Celebrity Game to defend your MVP crown? Of course I am, man. I'm trying to three-peat. Right now, <laughs> two-time Celebrity All-Star Game MVP. If I can get a three, a three-peat, I'm retiring from the game of basketball. I will have done what no man can do. Adrian Peterson. We're strong enough. He built us to be strong enough to endure that. That's powerful. It is. Like, that's powerful. That's how easy to put things in perspective and know that, hey, you know, tough times don't come. But if you trust in God, believe in God, he's going to get you through it. Mike Krzyzewski or Coach K, you know, there was an article that came out with the headline stating NBA needs to pull stars from USA Basketball, which is showcasing only Duke's coach. To me, it's absurd because before USA Basketball, Coach K was on the map and winning national championships. However, how do you respond to that? Well, I don't think you have to respond to it because something that comes way out of left field 
video, it's apparent that we don't need USA Basketball to help our program. I've won three national championships before being the USA coach and went to numerous Final Fours and had number one recruiting classes. I think the response from everybody has been, you know, come on. That the voice, of course, of T.I. and some hard times down in the ATL, though, T.I. Yeah, and that is understood. It wouldn't be the first. <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't be the first, nor the worst. No, nah, no question. I'm, I'm still I'm still down with the skins, man. What can I say? They're they're not doing too well right now. Well, like <laughs> you know what I mean. We gotta, hey, 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 look, man. We gotta, we gotta hold it down so we can, so we can get it back right again. <laughs> we're joined by Serena Williams. You were in Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue a couple of years ago. You feel like you're a sex symbol. <laughs> I'm just Serena, and that's all I can be. And whatever people think is. I don't know. I guess I'm, I'm all, I feel honored that they might feel that way. Though. Maybe the greatest football player to ever play, Jim Brown. Muhammad Ali was a principal person in the country at the time, and he stood up and said that he was not going to the service because it was against his religion. Mm-hmm. All, all the top black athletes together, along with Carl Stoke, the first black mayor of a major city. So I'm glad you brought that particular incident up. Snoop Dogg is on the mic. Pay attention. Oh, man, thank you for having me, play in a real way. I mean, I'm so honored. Snoop you know, Football League has done so many wonders for myself, and not only me, but the kids and the volunteers and the parents and the people that have been associated with it. We got over 200 kids that have graduated from high school. We have over 50 kids that have grown in Division One. The face of women's soccer in the U.S. is Alex Morgan. Phenomenal moment. The semifinal game against Canada where you scored in the extra time. Everyone's thinking, obviously, going to get to that. <laughs> you know, it kind of fell directly. To, to me into my head and it was definitely the biggest goal of my career. Jim Caldwell in his first season as the head coach of the Detroit Lions. If a coach is named a coach in waiting, the next year he becomes that head coach. He goes 14 and 2. His team goes to the Super Bowl. The next year he goes 10 and 6. His uh, team goes to the playoffs. And then because of a 2 and 14 record, but part of that record is because certainly one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time misses the entire season. After the end of that season, the coach is fired. Is that fair to that coach? <laughs> well, you know, in this business it is. <laughs> because um, that's the thing that I think most people that are in it and understand it. It's what have you done for me lately. At that particular year, we didn't win enough games, plain and simple. He's the one and only Darius Rucker. I love sports. I love all sports. I watch them all. I'm into the World Cup right now like everybody else is. But if to me, there's two times a year, the football season and waiting for football season. <laughs> right now, I'm waiting for football season. I love it. Oklahoma City Thunder forward Kevin Durant. What about the success that you've had, your maturing? as an NBA player as one of the young uh, superstars in the league oh uh, yeah well I'm just you know trying to get better every single day we've been through a lot as a team and I enjoy playing with a great group of guys you know hopefully we get to reach our goal one day from the press box to press row is the sports talk show that is the voice and the talk of HBCU sports with a flair for pro sports talk and entertainment Check the show out online at www.boxtorow.com. That's from the press box to press row. Real, relevant, radio. The others pretend. You're listening to the only sports talk show in America that actually cares what you've got to say. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. Let's do a spring football check-in here on From the Press Box to Press Row. He is the interim head football coach at Morgan State for the previous two years, has served as the offensive coordinator, had served 
as the offensive coordinator for the Bears. Of course, the Bears uh, sharing the MEAC uh, championship in 2014, representing the MEAC in the FCS playoffs. And uh, prior to that, he had a stint for four years as the head football coach at Kentucky State. He is Fred Ferrier. He joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Coach Ferrier, welcome back to the program. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. And, of course, you guys have the spring game Saturday uh, at Hughes Stadium. How's spring ball coming to this point? Spring ball has been really good so far. You know, we've had 11 practices so far. We've been uh, very competitive, one of the big goals. You know, we had several goals going into the spring. Two of those goals were to play faster and to play more physical. And, uh, you know, I want to be an aggressive team on defense where guys are flying around and making hits. And, um, you know, this is this has been one where these guys have really bought into that. It's been a physical, competitive spring practice. And, uh, you know, we banged around a little bit, and guys are really beginning to kind of take on that mentality and that mindset of being a much more physical, tougher uh, fast-playing football team on both sides of the ball. So spring so far has been pretty good. I mean, what, what has this been like for you? Because, I mean, you're taking over as the interim head coach, only been on in that capacity for the last uh, couple of months or so. Lee Hull has moved on to be the wide receivers coach at uh, with the Indianapolis Colts. I mean, what's the transition been like for you and to be able to put all of these things in place in such a short amount of time? It's been It's been exciting. You know, having had the opportunity to be a head coach again, you know, it wasn't a, a huge focus of mine to try to be a, a head coach as quickly as this happened. But, you know, my goal just in terms of being at Morgan was to be the best offensive coordinator and quarterback's coach that I could be. You know, it's been busy. You know, I haven't got a lot of sleep, you know, in that first month especially. But it's been fun, you know, trying to put your stamp on it, on something that has had some success and you're trying to find a way to continue that success and elevate that success, you know, within the parameters of what the university sets forth. You know, the last few years there's been a big push for the return to greatness to to get back to some of those years when we had some of the the stalwart football teams that were very dominant in HBCU football with guys who were moving on to play in the NFL on a regular basis and some guys who went on to be in the NFL Hall of Fame trying to get back to a point where you're recruiting a, a phenomenal student but you're also recruiting a great athlete. Fred Ferrier is the interim head football coach at Morgan State. He joins us here. I'm from the press box to press row. The Bears going to play in their spring game this Saturday uh, on campus at Hughes Stadium. You said a whole lot there, Coach Ferry, and I want to uh, talk about a couple of different things. Let me even start because, you know, I think sometimes you think head football coaching, but it's so many other aspects to that. Can you speak a little bit more to, uh, you know, the fundraising aspect of this because there are some things that you want to do coming in to help to generate um, some revenues, and you, I think you make a great point. This was a, a bear program back in the day that was essentially second to none, and you're looking to get back uh, to that status. Yeah, I think in any Division One college football program, outside donations are a huge part of what you do. And, you know, when you talk about being a limited resource institution, there's, there's sometimes limited funds or funds that come from student fees or student activity fees, and you, you make do with what you, what you have. But when you start talking about you want to be one of the more dominant programs in the conference, one of a team that can compete on the national level, and we get 
opportunities to compete. Last year we flew out and played Air Force. Uh, we flew out and played Illinois State, which was a top five uh, FCS team at the time. This year we'll go to Marshall and we'll play at Army and we'll play Holy Cross out of the Patriot League. So you get to play against some of the premier college football programs at the FCS and FBS level. And in terms of elevating the program, you gotta when when a student athlete has the ability to go to a Morgan State or go to a Towson or go to a uh, mid-major type school like a Middle Tennessee or a Troy or UAB or something like that, you know, we have to try to do some things that are similar to what those schools do. And outside fundraising is a big part of that. You know, one of my goals this spring is to get out and speak to some alumni groups, to get out in the community, rotary clubs and touchdown clubs and, and speak to groups where we'll talk about what our plan is, how we plan to help our student-athletes graduate, and what we need to do to build this program into uh, what it once was, you know, as one of the more powerful teams in this conference that's going to win eight or nine, ten games every year and have a chance to compete for a MEAC championship. And there's so much more to that than just the players and the coaches. The alumni are a big part of that. The community is a big part of that in terms of buying tickets and coming to games and, and buying hot dogs at the concession stand and all those things. So, um, you know, we'll get out and we'll try to raise some money and raise some funds to, to provide a better experience for our student-athletes and build this program because we do need better technology. We do need more uniforms. We do need uh, donations and, and monies to be able to build better facilities and to, to redo our weight room and to redo our locker room and to get it to where it's comparable uh, to some of your major college programs because in a young man's eyes who's 16, 17, 18 years old and going through the recruiting experience, facilities and weight rooms and the bells and whistles are really a lot of times what they see uh, and what they remember the most. You know, the educational part, they won't be able to get a decent education at a lot of the places, but they're going to remember the bells and whistles. They're going to remember what type of apparel they get. They want to know what type of shoes you wear. They want to know what kind of helmets do you wear. And to be in that to be in that race and to be in that environment, you've got to be able to provide those things. So that's really a huge part of what you do as a head coach. A lot of times people think being a head football coach is just about calling plays and blowing a whistle, but it's really – uh, the CEO of a $10 million company. You've got coaches who are kind of your mid-level managers. You've got a board of trustees that you report to, and that's going to be the president, the athletic director, your vice president of student affairs, and your administration. And, and you've got lower-level employees who are your, your student-athletes who are here on scholarship. And you deal with a bunch of different departments, financial aid, admissions, uh, to where you're really the CEO of a, of a mid, a multi-million dollar company. And I think in nowadays environment, You've got to be good at the football part, but you've also got to be good at the fundraising and the recruiting and the representing the program and getting on television and getting on the radio and all those different types of things. So uh, it really does entail more than just calling plays. Yeah, no question about it. Fred Ferrier is the interim head football coach at Morgan State. He joins us here on the program. The Bears going to have their spring game on April 30th on campus at Hughes Stadium. To your point, Coach Ferrier, about being a low-resource institution and Morgan State hit with the APR penalty, so that means no postseason. It means a ban from um, spring practice uh, on next year. What are some of the things, and, and again, you're just coming in on this job two months in, but what are some of the things that uh, that you look to employ? And it's not just about football. It's, it's the university as a whole, but some of the things that are going to be implored to help Morgan State in its APR issues. 
you know, I think a lot of people will kind of look at this situation in a very negative way. You know, man, I just got to be the head coach, and we're already dealing with penalties, and we can't play in the postseason and, and different things of that nature. And to to just be straightforward and honest with you, I, I'm excited about it. And it, it may sound funny, but I really am excited about it because it provides an opportunity for me to kind of come in and be a catalyst to create some positive change. And uh, I'm excited about having the opportunity to fix it. I'm excited about having an opportunity to put our student-athletes on a better track to graduate on time. I'm excited about being able to put a true emphasis on academics and demanding that our student-athletes are the best students that they can be. We're going to make sure they go to class. We're going to make sure they study for class. We're going to make sure they go to study hall. We're going to make sure they sit in the front rows when they go to class. We're going to make sure they take notes. We're going to make sure that they have a true focus and understanding that academics is the number one reason why they're in a college environment. And, you know, if we can put some things in place, put some more academic support there, uh, get these kids the necessary help that they need to be successful in every aspect of their life as a student, to be successful at uh, socially, you know, whatever life skills things that we will do, uh, I think to be, to be one of the people behind that and, and really pushes that, it gives me a unique opportunity to be here here at a time when there's there's positive change and we're creating a better environment for our student-athletes. And, you know, there's some, some small penalties along the way. Uh, that's just part of what happens sometimes when when all the necessary things haven't been taken care of all the time, and, and we accept that. You know, we accept that. You know, we've got to do better. Uh, that is a challenge that has been put before us, and we've got we've to allocate some resources to get done what we need to get done. And, you know, it'll be a fun time for me to just make sure our guys are doing the right thing because the, the end result of all of this is really to prepare these young men to be productive husbands, productive fathers, and productive leaders for our community. And if, if we're unable to, to teach them accountability and responsibility, then we're missing a big part of what we're doing. So um, the, the penalty of, of not being able to compete in the postseason is a big deal. Uh, but they're still the main goal, and we have the ability to compete for a regular season MEAC championship. That's always the number one goal, so that goal doesn't change. Um, not being able to participate uh, for one season in the Celebration Bowl or the NCAA playoffs, you know, is disappointing, but it doesn't change what I do every day when I walk in the door and I sit down at my desk. And uh, we're going to continue to get out here and try to create a positive environment, put a great product on the field that the alumni and supporters of this program can feel good about coming to buy tickets for and watch those games. So um, it's a little bit of disappointment there, but, again, uh, I'm excited because it gives me an opportunity to be a big part of the solution, and I think in anything that we do, you know, you hear people in the business world where they say, hey, don't tell me about the problems. Tell me about how we're going to fix it. So, you know, our focus is, is not necessarily right away on how did this happen, but first of all, how, did, how to fix it and then once we get, figure out how to get it fixed, then we can kind of look retrospectively and figure out how do we make sure we don't get back to the situation again. Very well said. And then lastly, I mentioned, you know, stop at uh, Kentucky State. You had a a, a, a nice stint at uh, Shaw University where the uh, Bears ended up winning a CIAA championship only a couple of years in to the resurgence of the program. You also had a graduate stop at uh, Michigan State so you've been successful. You had a lot of success in the stops that you've been. What do you remember most about those days at Michigan State and uh, being with Nick Saban? Uh, Coach Saban is probably one of my biggest mentors. Uh, you know, his 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 track record of success speaks for itself. To be 
one of the few coaches who've actually won national championships at two different places, and then I think he's on national championship number four at Alabama. Uh, the thing I, the thing that I kind of remember most about Coach and that I kind of respect the most is that what he does at Alabama right now is, is what he did at Michigan State. And, you know, he believes in a set of core values. He's going to demand that everybody work hard. He's going to demand that everybody does the right things. And um, he 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 doesn't he leaves no detail uh, unnoticed. He he pays attention to all the little things, and he continually demands that everybody do their job to the best of their ability. That's students, that's coaches, uh, those are the secretaries in the building, those are every that's everybody around him. And if we can uh, get people to understand that you know this job is the big time, you know this is this is our. BCS championship. This is our. This is the NFL for us. So, you know, Morgan State in the position that I'm in is the best job I've ever had, and we will end up on ABC playing in the Celebration Bowl for uh, Black College National Championship. You know, after we won a, a, a MEAC championship, and and we will do it in a way where our academics will be on point. Everybody will feel great about it, and we will have been part of the solution of getting this APR stuff fixed. That the voice of Fred Ferrier, the interim head coach, football coach that is at Morgan State. The Bears going to play their spring game on Saturday at Hughes Stadium on campus. He joins us here out from the press box to press row. Coach Ferrier, great insight, uh, continued success to you and the Bears. We appreciate it, and hopefully we can get back on here again when, we, when we've done some more stuff and uh, get a chance to visit with you again. Last week, of course, we touched on the APR issues and Morgan State looking to clean up its APR issues as well. Up next here on From the Press Box to Press Row, back to the NFL Draft and South Carolina State defensive tackle Javon Hargrave. With Mother's Day approaching fast, it's time to give that special lady in your life not just a card, but a card she will cherish for the rest of her life. Kofi cards are the way to tell that special lady you care. These beautiful one-of-a-kind cards are designed by Brother Tyus Kofi, who has received international acclaim and has been featured on over 300 very popular greeting cards. And not just for Mother's Day, Kofi cards can be purchased for any occasion, including birthdays, baby showers, and well wishes. Buy them in bulk today. Purchase Kofi cards online at www.kofi-cards.com. That's www.kofi-cards.com. K-O-F-I-K-A-R-D-S.com. Produced by the community for the community. Kofi cards, empowering our community one card at a time. Kofi cards are a product of Global Emerging Market Exchange. GMX, a redistribution company. It's Donald Ware, host of From the Press Box to Press Row. You never know who may be a guest on the program. We are joined by Ice Cube, one of the greatest boxers of all time. Sugar Ray Leonard is on the line. We're joined by Demarcus Ware. We are joined by Wendy Raquel Robinson. Art Shell is our guest. Maybe the greatest football player to ever play, Jim Brown. I'm talking about none other then common mark mariel who's the president and ceo of the national urban league ceo commissioner of the ciaa leon carey none other than the world-renowned smoky north the godfather of go-go chuck brown joins us here talking about none other than doug williams serena williams that was definitely one of the better matches i've ever played missed any of these interviews check us out online at www.boxtorow.com that's from the press box to press row. Real, relevant radio.
down the names making news in sports. From the press box to press row, it's Donald Ware. From the press box to press row. In the last segment, our spring football check-in with Morgan State interim head football coach Fred Ferrier. Also earlier on, talking some NFL draft. Ryan Smith of North Carolina Central. To Merrick Hemingway of South Carolina State. Replayed those interviews. Of course, you can listen to those interviews in their entirety on our website at BoxToRow.com. On Monday, had a chance to catch up with the Willie Davis Box to Row National Defensive Player of the Year, two times over a dominating force in the MEAC, Javon Hargrave, earlier in the week as I had a chance to discuss the NFL draft with him, amongst other things. Well, it's been an experience since I um, I think um, since I finished up with the season. I've just been um, first going off the train in Florida at Etso's and um, just being able to experience the East-West game and the um, Senior Bowl and the Combine. <clears throat> it's, just been, it's just been a journey. It just it seemed like another process, just going from the games to the Combine to the – to the workouts, the pro day, to the visits. It's just been an amazing journey and um blessed to be a part of it. Yeah, it, it has been an amazing journey, Javon. I mean, a lot of times guys get to the East-West game, they get to the Shrine game, and maybe they don't perform so well. But, I mean, you have had phenomenal – you know, all of – everywhere you've been with all of these combines and the East-West and the Shrine game, you've performed well. What does that mean to you to – in fact, not only be able to be there, but also to be able to perform well and show what it is that you can do? I mean, you just, you know you can do it. It's just the fact, like you say, man, you only got really one chance to show everybody. Well, a couple chances in practice. So, I mean, I just came out there with kind of that that chip on my shoulder and just showing everybody I could play with all the big boys and me coming from this small school. That's That's one of the big things you got to do. It's just show the scouts and the coaches that you belong on this level. So that's kind of my attitude going into them games and was just happy to be able to show, put on a show for them. Yeah. You know, not everybody makes it to these games and even more especially where it puts you sort of on another level as to the NFL Combine, which of course took place in February in Indianapolis. What about that experience and what did it mean to you to be a part of the NFL Combine? I mean, it was, uh, it was a blessing. I mean, just growing up and watching that every year, everybody dreamed they can be on the NFL combine, and not many people would be able to be invited to it. So for me, coming from South Carolina State, even smaller chance of being invited to it, it was just a, it was a blessing, man, just to see me be able to be out there with everybody and um, get and experience something that to that magnitude, that big. It was just a blessing, man, and just something I just keep looking on, just um, thanking God about, man, every day. Javon Hargrave, now formerly of South Carolina State, two-time Willie Davis Box to Row Defensive Player of the Year. He joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. To your point, Javon, being from South Carolina State with all of the great players that have come from South Carolina State, the great um, Hall of Famers, have any of those, you know, Harry Carson – maybe have they spoken with you as this process has gone on? 
ain't um I ain't talked to Harry Carson yet, but I plan on to. But I talked to um Charger Darby and um Robert Porsche. And they just kinda um, you know, just tell me, just keep going and how proud they are of me and things like that. Yeah, you're right. Darby more recently having played in the league um in the mid part of the two thousands, um anyway, which is which is really good in South Carolina State certainly having a lot of uh, a lot of guys, you, to your point, Porsche, et cetera, that have really had um, a lot of success. When you came to South Carolina State maybe some uh, you know, four years ago or so, did you foresee yourself being where you are now? Yeah, I kind of foresee myself as that. Um, basically about in high school, man, uh, you know, I kind of felt like I should have been at them big schools. So, I mean, going to South Carolina State was a blessing. But at the same time, I knew I deserved to um, be able to play against um, bigger schools. And that's just one of the things, man, just going in there, just kind of keeping focus on the goal that I had in my mind. And, I mean, of course, I really ain't considered myself an underdog until, you know, everybody kind of been telling me this lately. I always seen it for myself and – I think that's one of the big things that carried me to this. I just kept believing. Yeah, I mean, when you think back to that, of course, everything happens for a reason. You are where you are. You deserve to be where you are. I mean, we're hearing everything as high as maybe the third round in terms of of being drafted. But when you think back to – you know, did did you sort of play with the chip? I mean, the numbers would indicate maybe you did because, you know, to your point – I mean, I think maybe one of the very few, if only, scholarship offer you had was to South Carolina State. Here you're a guy four years later that is a projected third-round pick, yet you didn't have many scholarship offers coming out of high school. Yeah, I think it, it always had a chip on my shoulder, man, just to kind of prove everybody and make a lot of people regret not taking me. That was kind of my big thing. But, yeah, it's always been that chip, man, just growing up with about four brothers it's kind of, I'm always competitive. So it's always it kind of created that dog in me to this day, just playing angry and, you know, just having that chip on your shoulder. You know, we talk, I've, I've, we've talked a, a couple of times in person. You've been on this show um, quite a few times. Um, as a matter of fact, very mild manner. We hear you speak, man. You, you, you know, you're, you're sort of calm. I mean, you know, but on the football field, you're just – you're like – you're. I mean, you're what you are. I mean, 13 and a half sacks, 22 tackles for loss. You're an animal out there. Now, how do you – how do you – how do you differentiate? How do you turn it on and off, off the field, and, and then uh, on the field being – or off the field, you're so mild-mannered, then on the field, you are that beast? It's just – I mean, that's what – I guess what makes it special, man. It's just that we call it dog mode, man. It's just off the field, I'm kind of smiling and. I'm a good dude to get along with, just making everybody laugh. But on that field, it's just like another mold. And just, you, you just, that's what I think growing up with all them brothers made me, just being so competitive. It's just that dog mode I go into, man, and just playing angry, just, <laughs> just trying to win. I don't like to lose, so of course I'm just trying to play to win. No, understood that. Javon Hargrave, formerly now of South Carolina State, joins us here on the program, the training. I mean, I. You know, you would think now that the training, like you said, over this last four or five months would have been taken to another level. Describe the training. And, I mean, I think you've put on 
you know, a couple of a, a couple of pounds of muscle also within that four or five months. Yeah, it was, it was a different thing. It was mostly after eating and getting the right stuff in our body that really changed my body. And yeah, I think I um not most of putting on more weight. I think I just lost a lot of more fat and putting on more muscle. So I'm I'm a lot more leaner than I was when I was at South Carolina State, which is kind of better for me. And um, that's all it really was. I mean, we we did a lot of training preparing for the combine, but it was really the eating that that's kind of changed my body and the way I feel. That that was a big thing for me. You're enjoying this, right, Javon? I mean, you you've enjoyed. I mean, it's been some hard work. You know, you put the work in at South Carolina State for four years. You're putting in the work now to get to this level. You, But you, I mean, you know, and I remember, man, I think we first talked to you, I don't know, maybe, I guess last year probably or maybe even 2014 prior to the season, you you know, very soft-spoken. You don't you don't say you, – you're sort of shy in a lot of respects, man, but you're enjoying this process, <laughs> right? You've changed in these Heck last two years. Heck, yeah. I mean, just so uh, – yeah. All of it just paying off, man. Just you know, heck yeah, who wouldn't enjoy it? You getting to do something that a lot of people ain't gonna be able to do, and of course, man, it's just a it's a blessing. I mean, you know, I don't show it as much, but it's it's a good feeling in the inside, like when you can just reflect on all this and be in your bed just looking up at the sky, like dang, it's actually happening. Yeah, yeah, it's a blessing, especially with all the hours we put in to this game, and for just to see see it showing off it's a blessing for me yeah a couple more thoughts I was reading something in the Boston Herald and the commentary said and you know they're like yeah you know maybe the Patriots should take uh Javon Hargrave one of the commentaries said uh that it was kind of watching you um was kind of like watching Von Miller during the AFC championship game um (laughs) against the Patriots what does that mean to you when you hear something like that I mean, just to be recognized as some of the greats of the game right now, it's just it's an honor, man. It just shows how much work I done put into my game. Just I guess everybody see the um the highlights and the stats, but they don't really see the as much time that you spend crafting on your, your game and all them throwing up and, you know, back tight days. And it's just it's just a good feeling, man, just to hear people talk about me like this and just just to see people proud of me and um talk about me and just you know people happy to, to even be able to know me sometimes right now so it's a good feeling right there that's a great feeling javon hargrave from earlier in the week here on from the press box to press row you can listen to the interviews with javon hargrave uh to merrick hemingway and ryan smith on our website right now at box to row.com my time is about up i thank you for yours Thank you to Morgan State interim head football coach Fred Ferrier for joining us today here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Tell five friends about the show. Also, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at box to row and friend us on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. And always remember to support those that support you. From the Press Box to Press Row is presented by DW Communications. Help your children And don't let them fall By the side Of the road
Let you down. 